And the town of Frisco out of anywhere in Summit County has really stepped up the game and brought in purpose-built trails and done a loop system with every type of trail for every type of ability. And it's just awesome to see that in our community and be able to be a part of that and help build a couple of the trails. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blom. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. We are kicking off 2024 with episode 156, featuring none other than the McGills of McGill Trail Fabrications. This is the first time I've recorded a five-way conversation with a crew that defines what a trail family really is. As you will learn here, McGill Trail Fabrications have been involved with some of the most iconic projects around the nation. If this is the first time you've heard of McGill Trail Fabrications, hold on because this is a good one. Cooley Creative is the title sponsor for this episode. They design and build custom websites as well as help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips, and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head on over to www.dojustsendit.com. Yes, that's right, www.dojustsendit will get you to the Cooley Creative website, so check it out. Kettle Mountain Apparel Kettle Mountain has been huge in terms of affiliate sales for this podcast which has allowed me to donate some money back to various trail organizations during the month of November. If you are looking for new activewear, please consider ordering through the affiliate links provided in the show notes, as this not only helps cover the cost of running this podcast, a significant amount of money also gets donated back to nonprofit trail organizations. Now on to the trail effect with the McGills. <laughs> so i'm gonna do a quick unofficial intro it'll be an actual official intro and and we'll take off here we are today on trail effect i have mcgill trail fabrications which i'm gonna ask them why it's called mcgill because last i checked there wasn't a mcgill in the last name of jeff tyler eric or zach <laughs> but mcgill trail fabrications is based out of summit county colorado even though they've built all over the country and they have an extensive and impressive list of clients and locations, especially some of the stuff we're going to talk about is, is, is more out East, but we're going to cover a lot. So how's it going today, Jeff, Tyler, Eric, and Zach? We're great. Thank you. Appreciate you having us on. Yeah. Doing good. Stoked to be here with you guys. Yeah. Merry Christmas. It's a little chilly here. A hard to dig today, but it's been, it's been a good last couple months for us for sure. Yeah, and I don't know about Colorado, but in, in Wisconsin, we're getting hit really hard with the uh, full effect of the El Nino. It was uh, 53 degrees and raining for the last two days here, so. Dang, yeah. Not not normal. Not normal at all. It was like gorgeous for the last couple of weeks, and then now it's been picking back up with snow, so. Nice. Well, since I already asked about it, where does Miguel actually come from for, for uh, the name of your company? Have you ever uh, watched the movie Usual Suspects? <laughs> I know the new movie, but I've not watched it. 
<laughs> so so there's this character in the movie called Kaiser Sose and no one ever sees him or uh ever gets to know him but he's one of the main characters and that's basically McGill he's he's the guy that runs everything but you've never seen him <laughs> so there is an actual McGill or we're just making this up maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll leave it there perfect <laughs> No, it's like from all of us hanging out in the woods together and just joking around all the time. You know, when you have just a bunch of guys hanging out in the woods and not much to do, we make up a lot of words and say, hey, go grab me the McGilly cloud or quit McGilling around. It was just like the joke of working together. And when we started the company nine years ago, we're like, well, I guess we have to call ourselves the McGills. <laughs> That's <laughs> so it's just uh your joke. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually that's that's actually really awesome. <laughs> so we got we got four of you here. Why don't we do a little bit of a backstory on how you guys all came together? Yeah. I was building trail with Flowline Trail Design. And we were traveling around working subbing for Imba and a couple other companies and um split apart. And then I got a job at the Keystone Bike Park and hired these boys. And that was 12 years ago, 11 years ago. And we've never left each other's side since then. It's become <laughs> a family affair since then. Do you have significant others? And do they factor into this <laughs> at all? Or do they just like, do they, they all just deal with their stuff? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, yeah. Jeff and I are married. Well, we're not married to two <laughs> This just got weird. <laughs> uh, and then Tyler has a has a longtime girlfriend, and I have a uh, two and a half year old little boy, and uh, a little girl on the way due in March too. So it definitely factors into the the traveling and everything. Is makes it makes it a interesting dynamic to to bring that in while we're all on the road and stuff together a lot. Has that changed your perspective on how you look at trails in terms of like getting people into the sport and like how you would do stuff for, for your kids? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, you, I feel like that, yeah, it really changes that perspective. You, you think about the kids all the time, you know, and you look at the way the industry is going and how good these kids are getting it riding and the technology and the bikes and everything that's getting so good. And it's like, that's exactly what we think about when I'm, shaping up some lip or whatever. I'm like, this is for the kids. <laughs> it yeah. is impressive to see the industry change since we've started building and the progression and seeing the 10 year olds hitting the stuff that I'm scared to hit now. And it's just really impressive to see the growth. Let's hear from uh, Zach. <laughs> Zach's just sitting there in the back. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what I do. <laughs> So what's your, what's your, uh, your skill set you bring to this crew? Oh, I just kind of, I'm going to follow through and do most of the handwork behind these boys, making them all, make the trails all pretty. Is it literally just the four of you or do you have, do you actually bring on hand workers too? Other hand yeah, workers? On what jobs we have, you know, we split up a lot. So we'll bring on more hand crew, uh, for different jobs. And like the riveter job, we had six of us on that. So we always bring on more people depending on what job we have. That's a good segue because I had the riveter as like pretty early out in this to talk about. And nice. the reason why I brought it in so early is because 
I think there, I think there needs to be more riveters. They don't maybe need to be named the riveter, but when you look at places and maybe, it, and maybe it's an anomaly cause it's in the Asheville region, but let's talk about what the, what a place like the riveter can bring to a community. You know, it's a, it's a pay to play place. You know, you can buy, you can buy a daily membership. You can buy a monthly membership. It's probably twice as expensive as say your average fill in the blank group fitness place, but so much more impactful. And yeah. let's talk about your interaction with how you really helped shape the Riveter. Yeah. I mean, we were brought in to do design work and kind of laid out a good conceptual plan for them. And then they decided to go with us for construction as well. And we planned the, there's a covered area uh, that's semi-indoors right next to the bar, right next to the climbing gym the yoga studio, the facility is unbelievable. And to have a covered bike park right outside the bar and then to have the outdoor bike park next to that, it's, it's an unbelievable place. But to be able to build something like that was next level for us. They gave us pretty much full reign on design and construction. And so we went pretty nuts with all the big wooden features we built. We did a 18 foot long white oak cannon log, uh, full pro line, and then it uh, full progression works up from a little mini track all the way up to full pro line. And it was an absolute pleasure to be a part of that. Yeah. And that just that type of facility is so cool. Just we, we were uh, comparing it to like, uh, new age outdoor rec rec center, you know, it's basically like an outdoor experience rec center. Cause you have the climbing gym and you know, the, the dirt jumps and the uh, workout area and stuff. And it's like, it's, it's such a cool concept to have something like that. But they also have us back for like harvest jams and stuff too, to build other new lines that we have, which was actually really cool building uh, basically like an X game style six pack for the first harvest jam. And then, the new line that's kind of like in the middle uh, of like the black and the uh, pro line. And so it was really cool to like also be able to come back and then add more stuff to that place. And just working with that family is just been so cool and awesome to hang out with them and get to know all that family that they have created there. What were your thoughts when you first got solicited the design? And what, like, kind of, what kind of, what stuff like popped into your brain as far as what the potential could hold? Oh man, we went, we went nuts. We, we wanted to bring every possible uh, ability there. Pump track. We built the, there's containers, three containers, a 40 foot and two 20 footers. We brought those in, we put them together, we cut out uh basically all the entrances welded it all together and then built a massive drop-in deck on top of it so they have a um rental area shop bike shop in the containers and then we have built the deck the roll-in deck on top of it and so to bring the elevation in plus the bike shop and then we did all the concrete blocking to really make the place pop and we also did all the turf so i mean it was a one-stop shop we did every bit of concrete drainage previous all the decks all of the wood features 
everything. And it was just a pleasure to be able to use our creative juices and not have any limits. Let's timestamp that when you like, when were you guys contacted to do this? And when, cause this, this isn't just like in the last year, this is a couple of years ago, I'm assuming. It was actually during COVID. Well, yeah, we had finished the indoor covered area right February, right before COVID. And then we started building the outside as COVID hit. And we all, as we travel, we usually just rent a big house and everybody stays together and we eat dinner together. We never leave each other's sides, basically when we're on the road. But during COVID, we were working on the outside and everything was shut down. But we were able to keep working because it was just the six of us living there and working there. They shut down and we had full reign of the place too. Like the owners, <laughs> we would all hang out together. We would climb after work in our private climbing gym. You know, we would session the covered bike park every night after work. And we just had full reign. So for us, COVID was actually quite a blessing for us. I mean, it's, you know, to say that kind of sucks for everybody else. But for us, we were just quarantined. We were quarantined. Yeah. yeah and the cornfield. Oh, quarantined. The, the, <laughs> yeah. Like the field area is a hill with all the downhill outside lines coming in. And then it goes into the cornfield. So that was our joke that we were quarantined because <laughs> we were just hanging out in the cornfield building jumps every day. <laughs> and I've, if I didn't know exactly where that was, I'd think you're in Nebraska, but you're actually North Carolina. <laughs> right. <laughs> right off the river. <laughs> that was a tough project too, though, because like something to think about for like other builders and like going into that, like we were trying to figure out, okay, how many dump trucks of dirt we do we, are we going to need? What kind of lumber order do we need? Like how many, how do we want to design these shipping containers? And like, we were trying to break it down to like each jump could be, you know, 15 to 25 yards. And like, what does that actually look like? And we got really lucky and found a core, a quarry right down the road. Whitmire, Whitmire trucking right down the street. <laughs> Shout out to them. They brought us a hundred dump trucks or over a hundred dump trucks on New Year's Day um, in 2020. 2020. 2020. And uh, we're basically moving it all and stacking it all with one skid steer and a couple small excavators. And yeah, grinding. Like right before we opened the canopy, it was a 36 hour shift for all of us. Yeah. And uh, we worked through the night getting all the. turf and and everything every you know just looking prime for opening day and it was wild it was a wild ride yeah you just you just talked about something that a lot of people don't really think about when it comes to like building anything which is the logistics of getting what you need there yes exactly (laughs) no there's so much that goes into it and like planning you have no idea how many dump trucks you actually need but luckily they were able to just truck in they were running like seven to ten dump trucks a day and (laughs) <laughs> we would get we'd get anxiety <laughs> yeah. dump truck anxiety like oh we can't keep up with how many <laughs> dump trucks to bring us but we used every piece of dirt like it was insane just dump truck nightmare the yeah the downshifting the oh, yeah. here comes another truck <laughs> engine brake nightmares <laughs> <laughs> something we learned from that project though get a big ass loader <laughs> which we did use loaders like when we when we came back and did like a couple of the harvest jams and stuff. And that was huge. I mean, that's game changers just having a huge loader and a skid and yeah, every bit of equipment. Yeah. We, we run everything. That's the other thing is like, I think we get in this industry, we get 
pigeonholed into the people using mini excavators, but the reality is, is that especially when it comes to bike park stuff, you're probably going to be using regular sized machine or maybe should be. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I got to ask, what's up with the containers? Because this isn't the only project that containers are on. And I'm assuming that you may have had an influence over the other ones too. I mean, yeah, for us, we wanted, we needed a start zone elevation and we also wanted a rental area there. And so it was a two for one for us. It fit in the design perfect and it's so useful in so many ways. They're also fairly inexpensive as well. So that's another good way to like gain elevation. We were talking about building a big wood start deck or something like that or, and yeah, the, the price of them is, is another key factor of them too. Yeah. Cause I have Howler bike park further on down the list, but we could probably go into Howler now. I mean, they're kind of iconic in terms of like their sign as a, is a container on end. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They have containers everywhere and <laughs> I love how the, the use they've done and how they've built the uh, decks and bars and the shop out of them. It's, it's a really amazing design that they've done an unbelievable job with. They are so good at the marketing and the feel when you get there, you feel welcome and just you're in such a cool spot. Yeah. Well, let's go back to Riveter quick. What was it like? So you guys are all from, I'm going to say Colorado, even though you're probably not all from Colorado. Cause I know Jeff in just email interaction, you actually were born in Wisconsin, I believe. Yeah. I was born in Eau Claire and grew up in Green Bay. And then moved to Kansas mid midway through through my life. And then I've been in Colorado now 20 years. And yeah, with these boys for 12, 13 years. So how was it to winter, we'll say, in the Carolinas? You know, Asheville was pretty fine. Awesome. Like we worked on Christmas Day and it was 65 degrees. It was beautiful. It was actually, it's probably better to work there in the wintertime than it is. And we've done that in a lot of other places like Tennessee and uh arkansas and stuff and worked basically through or at least the very beginning of winter and it's better to work in the southeast in the winter time than it is to try and bust your ass sweating your balls off in the summertime yeah yeah we all come from the ski industry so we've spent all of our winters working at the resorts and once we started to get busy with mcgill now we focus on getting our jobs in Colorado during the summer and then traveling usually south, southeast during the winters now. So we're trading in our skis and snowboards for bikes to try to bike year round now is what we've been working on. That's kind of where I'm at in life. And I got to figure out a way to do that myself because yeah. <laughs> yeah. aside from El Nino years, when it's 53 degrees in December, it should be uh, like zero or maybe slightly above zero. And I'd personally rather just ride year round. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely challenges that come with building in the winter. And then also like for us, for first time building in, in the winter in North Carolina, like we were learning things about the freeze thaw and, uh, you know, the, the amount of rain and stuff that they get in those winter months is like, it was definitely like, there was some challenges with that. A lot of sure. tarping and like, we had a huge pile of work dirt, huge pile of work dirt that you know, we had to deal with the, like keeping it tarped and stuff. Otherwise we just couldn't work with that material. If and the tarps are blowing off in the wind and <laughs> I don't ever want to touch a tarp ever again. After that. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it, it, we learned a lot, you know, and like, yeah, definitely it was, uh, it was a 
learning curve and just trying to have everything polished up and packed in before storms would come by and yeah and making sure our drainage was on point yeah even just getting things making sure things drained that weren't finished yet you know really prepping and planning for rain and realizing that like we're we're spoiled in colorado for how quick things dry out after storms too you know where you you'll it rains, you're going to work the next day. We're in North Carolina or Missouri. You'll get a big storm and you might be shut down for a day or two, depending on how much rain you got, you know, and how well prepped you were with your drains and everything. So. Well, staying in the Southwest, and I didn't have this on my list, but it just dawned on me when you said Tennessee. If I'm not mistaken, you guys had a part in Walden's, Walden's Ridge also in Chattanooga, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Inbetrail Solutions, Repiac, and Josh Olson, they brought us in to do the uh, advanced jump line there. And that was an awesome project to be a part of. Inbetrail Solutions uh, designed everything, had it all laid out, brought in us, another company, and then had their, had two of their crews building. So we had four trails going at once. And that was an absolute pleasure. The big jump line that we built was we were digging gold out of that place. <laughs> yeah. Great dirt. I mean, just we had three excavators training down, digging as big a borrow pit as the machine would dig. And we were just stacking gold. It was that place is awesome. And the rocks, massive rocks, big outcroppings, got to use a bunch of that natural terrain to make features out of. And it was, that was a really cool job. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I had talked about that particular location. I, I want to say for well over a year, over different periods of time or over with different guests, I mean, and it finally opened up this last, I want to say October. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was sad to see that like it took him forever to get open with, I think there was some land problems with the town and everything. I don't know all the politics behind it, but it was sad to to know that that wasn't really being written for, I guess, the whole last year, really. Almost more than a year, I guess. Yeah, but also to look on the other side of that, the Sorba Chattanooga, Sorba. That, that crew did an amazing job. They were out there volunteering their time. Shout out to those Every guys. day, they were out riding, digging, keeping it maintained. They still are. They're still the ones maintaining it. But they did a phenomenal job and yeah, hats off to those guys. And I was just back there a couple months ago, right after opening and they did all of the prep work and it looked dialed and it rode great. And yeah, hats off to them. Is it not incredible to see what actually happens in the Southeast in terms of like just mountain biking and access and people that are just doing all the work? Cause Sor the Sorba area in general, all seven states. It's like no other place in the country. Yeah. They they got they're doing something right, right? Like they're they've got everything on lock and we we wish we could have more, I guess organization. Organization like that. Exactly. Like yeah. it's it's tough to herd cats in that sense. Yeah, for them to rally around the community and get a project like this approved. You know, for us in Colorado, it's been tough. We don't get all that support they want more directional just backcountry trails and the people nowadays want directional and purpose-built and all that and so kind of 
going off track here, that's what we ended up being able to be a part of at the Frisco Peninsula and the new trail we just finished putting in called Aftermath. And the town of Frisco, out of anywhere in Summit County, has really stepped up the game and brought in purpose-built trails and done a loop system with every type of trail for every type of ability. And it's just awesome to see that in our community and be able to be a part of that and help build a couple of the trails. Yeah, it's actually staying kind of on track. It, it's it's definitely where I wanted to go in terms of out of the Southeast and back into your neighborhood. But let's talk about how Aftermath came to be. You know, you just talked about it's a directional purpose-built trail. It's two miles long. Based on what I found on Trail Forks, it descends roughly 300 feet and it's open to the public on public land. Yeah, it's it's unreal. So with that trail, they, uh, the Frisco Peninsula is owned by the Forest Service, uh, or that's Forest Service land. But because of the Nordic Center and the Tubing Hill there, that that piece of land right by the lake is permitted as a uh, ski area. So that is the way that we're able to uh, get the directional trails in there because ski area has the special use permit to be able to use directional trails. So that's a big part of it. Starting right there, and then Pete from the Adventure Center, um, he's the head guy over there. That he actually flagged out the trail and. Uh, raise the capital on everything for it to get it going. So he has a really cool vision for that whole piece of piece of area or piece of property there. And there's already like a really cool uh, loop that goes around the peninsula right by the lake. And there's a lot of good cross country riding. There's the dirt jumps and the skate park and everything right in that area. Um, so adding in the directional downhill trail is just like a no brainer, you know? Well, and I think Summit County for, you know, more broadly is known as a ski capital or an alpine capital, I should say, both skiing and snowboarding because you have how many different resorts there. But what about the summer use? I mean, look at all the different bike parks are there that are there. Plus you got all the stuff that Breckenridge has. I mean, it's just, it's a pretty incredible place that I don't think it's talked about enough outside of an event here and there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we've been trying to get involved with, uh, like, Friends of Dillon Ranger District and SCOMBA, the Summit County Mountain Bike Alliance and town of Dillon. And it's been great to see people starting to realize that we can progress with the rest of the world and bring in trails and directional and purpose-built stuff and give something for everybody. And to watch now the kids, you know, after Frisco Bike Park, and the skate park that got put in there, like I was saying before, watching 10 year olds just absolutely shredding. And it's just amazing to see the kids grow up like that and have access to that. Just like a ski resort, you know, the kids, you, you grow up, two, three year olds are out skiing. Well, two, three year olds are out on the pump track on their strider now, and they're hitting the dirt jumps at super young age. And having that access is what we didn't have as kids. and. It's been amazing to bring that to kids and see them grow up with the access to that type of stuff. More generally speaking, how's the reception been when you guys bring a directional trail in? That's a directional trails or something I've talked about a ton in this podcast and something I want to see more more widely spread within this the bike community. But what's your reception been in like actually talking to people and how are they accepted after they're built? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I'll let you go first. I would say for this project, we were blown away with the amount of 
positive feedback for for aftermath this was uh you know there's always somebody that has something to say and this was was there's so much good feedback on it and it was really cool to see the community be so stoked about a directional trail you know and like we talk about directional trails all the time and like how amazing they are and what the what why we would think that's great you know having that separation between hikers and bikers and being able to get that fun that you worked for when you're grinded your ass off to get to the top of the trail and you want to rip down you know but really with this aftermath it was it was just unbelievable to me to see like how many people were just overwhelming stoke on it yeah we and the boys brought the game on this one it was they're six foot tall berms 100 foot long 10 10 foot step ups like just 10 foot lip i mean we we pushed the progression on this trail for sure and i don't think even the town or the forest service quite quite understood our level of a black jump trail so it was really cool to see everyone's reaction and just the stoke on it and all the locals i mean every day we would go into the lumber store or wherever and we're like oh when's it gonna open when's it gonna open we've been walking checking out yeah bike shops (laughs) So it was really fun to see the locals actually recognize what we were bringing. We were bringing uh, an advanced jump trail to a free area where you can pedal. Basically, the the peninsula is open probably eight months of the year, seven months of the year. So definitely more than any of the resort bike parks, you know, lift access. And now you if you want to go after work after five six o'clock when bike parks are closed boom you have an advanced jump trail to push yourself on and it's amazing from the top of the peninsula all the way down to the lake dillon beach and just making lap after lap e-bikes you name it everybody was loving it yeah and just kind of like snowball off of that it's like this was a special project to us this is in our backyard you know like we built cool shit like this at like Walden's Ridge and and in Nashville and and in Arkansas and stuff. And it's like, when do we finally get to build this in our backyard? And we finally had that opportunity and we went above, I think even our own expectations in a lot of ways and, and, and worked our butts off on that trail to give our community, our people, you know, the shit that we've been building in the Southeast and all over the country. Finally, you know, and that was awesome to us. That was that was just absolutely like a, a a dream come true. What about Zach? I think he's back there in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> you want to throw your two cents in here on this one, Zach? I think the trail is awesome. Yeah, it's a great thing to have back there. Like I said, the free access is a wonderful thing to have because it stays light till nine o'clock at night. So. Yeah, like when everything's closed, you can go rip around, just like they were saying. I think it's a wonderful thing. We need more. We have plenty of like cross-country single track, backwoods shit in Colorado. That's Mm -hmm. basically all we have, really. Yeah. But to have like purpose-built jump lines, especially in our backyard, but all over Colorado. Like why Colorado used to be the Mecca. Now it's Bentonville and, and, and places like that. And it's like, what about where it started? (laughs) you know this is where it all started like why why aren't we progressing with the industry and the bikes and the ridership yeah i hear you there i've often wondered if it's better to like start late and then like get all the new stuff or 
start early and like have a have some kind of history behind it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's that too. Yeah. I was gonna say I'm like I, I'm a little jealous of all the new riders and 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 stuff because it's the shit we didn't have when we were kids. We had to go and build that shit ourselves with shovels and wheelbarrows and 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 now they have it just free access. Let's go, you know. And now, now you get to build it with your big mechanical shovel. Yeah, exactly. That's the, I mean, it's it's a dream come true. Just it's a bunch a of kids. Come. Just a bunch of kids with big toys. Yeah. A bunch of McGills just McGilling around. Let's move about halfway between there and, and Denver to a place called Idaho Springs in the Virginia Canyon, Virginia Canyon Mountain Bike Park which is a topic that wasn't even on my radar, but Jeff, you brought it to me and I'm glad you did because I love talking about Trek trails because I'm from Wisconsin. I know Trek uh, doesn't always advertise their stuff. And I've talked about that a couple of times in the podcast, but let's talk about the backstory behind this bike park and how you guys got involved and, and what's there because it's it's got some weird history behind it if, based on what I looked up. Yeah. Uh, so it's the old Argo mine. So when you're driving I-70 going up to the mountains, you drive past it every time and they are going to put in a gondola. And that place is a little microclimate. It stays warm most of the year. We've been building all winter. Even when we get a snow, it's melted out a day or two later. We've been able to build all winter up till now. We're still like we're going in tomorrow to hit back at it. but. It's been designed and planned by Comba, Colorado Mountain Bike Association out of Denver. And they take care of pretty much the whole front range. Gil and Gary Moore, they have been planning and designing this for, I, mean, I think Gil's been involved with this project for probably damn near 20 years. He's been dreaming of this. And they have 15 to 20 miles of trail planned. Last year, they brought in Flow Ride Trail Concepts, Shafe Arrow, and he put in the uphill trail. And then Shay and us partnered up as teams because we needed more builders. And now the two the two teams are we're building separate sections on different trails. And yeah, I mean it's it's a huge project that Tomba has gotten all the resources they brought in trek trails to help donate money and they have absolutely done a phenomenal job at getting funding and getting this project up and running and we're just stoked to be a part of the build team on that from what i can tell this is another directional system too like entirely directional absolutely and it's been a riding spot for 30 years maybe just unofficially yeah yeah, yeah talked about the that's unofficial crazy. yeah the history you know, like I remember when I first moved to the county and met like Hitchell and these boys, and they took me out there and we went up to what was it, Oh My God Road or whatever we call it, which yeah. is Virginia, Virginia Canyon Road. And we were shuttling some of these pirate trails, God, 10 over 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was some rowdy ass shit. I mean, it's rowdy terrain, it's crazy rock outcroppings. And then, of course, you have all like the mine, scree fields and the mine, mine pits and stuff. And, and road gaps and just just the rowdiest shit I've ever ridden, I think. Yeah. And now we're out there getting paid to build some really cool, like actual trails that 
you know, hopefully the front range enjoys and I know we will. And it's cool because it's on the south. It's on the north side of the highway, so but it's south facing. So it could damn near be open 300 days a year. And that's crazy for Colorado. And it's so close to the front range in Denver. Right off of 70. Such a massive amount of access to just so many people. Yeah, it's it's a great location. And I mean, we're bringing trails of all ability styles here, too. And they definitely, with the history of the old pirate trails and the locals that don't want that to go away, but understand growth. And so we're definitely trying to step up that and keep keep that cool rock features and wood drops and still bring that gnarly stuff to Idaho. And then we're also building like a blue jump trail and there's a, there's a green climbing trail. And I mean, the, the potential there is, is limitless and we're just, we're just starting this big build. I mean, we could, we could be building there for the next couple of years for sure. So there's a lot of trail to be put in there and the potential is huge. Yeah. It looks like it's 35 miles from Denver. Yep. Yeah, it takes us about 40 minutes to get there from the county. And then it takes, yeah, I guess the front range, depending on where you're at, you know, about, anywhere, the, same. about the same, yeah, 30, 40 minutes to get up there. And it's a, it's a pretty, pretty crazy, like, hunk of land. What is it? Almost 300 acres. I think it's 400. Over a thousand vertical feet. And I mean, you're still up there. Like I noticed the other day, like at the very top, you're still at like 9,000 feet. So you still got some, like, it's pretty high elevation. It's just, because of the location and, and it being south facing, you could be open a lot. Which Eric, is great. you were gonna say something. I was just gonna say it's gonna be like basically Colorado's new uh downhill park, lift service downhill park. So what is the status of that mighty Argo cable car? Cause it it seemed like there's some controversy around that. I couldn't find the latest update on that, but I mean this wasn't even on my radar up until three days ago or whenever you sent the email back. Yeah, they they've been working on that plan for a while. They've done some excavation at top for where the top terminal will be. And then they actually just restaked and flagged all of the gondola towers. So we're not really in the loop with the town and that with their planning on the actual gondola. We're just more involved with trails. But it looks like things are still moving forward with all the new surveying that's being done and it looks like things are starting to happen. And, you know, they, Idaho after Trek trails donated a bunch of money and Comba put in a bunch of money and to see the town now, uh, matching that and the Argo mine, the town and the Argo mine are kind of one in the same. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they are, it looks like things are moving forward. So hopefully in the next few years, by the time we're done building most of the trails, though, there will be a gondola for us to get a ride to the top, baby. <laughs> yeah, and that's so awesome that it's so close to to Denver. It seems like there's other bike parks that are trying to like kickstart in that region in the Front Range. Mm-hmm. It's it's awesome to see that. Yeah, definitely. There's uh, another resort that's not real well known yet, uh, Shadow Mountain Bike Park. That's the one I was just talking about that it was in my, I couldn't think of the name of it, but it's, I've seen their social media feed lately that they've been working yeah. on. So they're working with the land trust on 
uh, property and all that. And they've got design. They've just had some setbacks with some of the locals and stuff, not wanting traffic. And, you know, it's tough to bring new amenities in and everybody's got, you know, their opinion, man. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's always hard, but it's, they, they keep pushing forward and we'd, we'd love to be a part of that project too, as they keep uh, continuing with that. And, hopefully we'll be able to help them do some planning and building. Did they go under a different name a year or two ago? There's some bike park that was getting a ton of grief from a few very vocal, but very minority locals that. That was probably. It reminded me of something that would come straight out of Marin County, California. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 A lot of entitled people. Let's move back East. We brought it up a little bit, but I want to go deeper. Howler bike park. Let's talk about how you guys got brought into this one. And we're going to eventually dive into like what a place or a concept like Howler can do for local communities. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you like this one? I'll, I'll, I'll jump into it a little bit, but you guys should definitely help me out here. Well, we were in Tennessee. We were in Chattanooga working on Walden's Ridge for, I guess, what was that? Four months that we were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now on the way back, our, like as that trip and that project started to wind down and we were, you know, getting to the end of it, we were like, well, we're not going to be able to build in Colorado before, you know, when we get back there. So, and we need some work, like let's, let's find some work. And I think Max has reached out to you at this point a couple of times or Max and John. John had called a couple of times and we blew him off. We, we, we <laughs> Sorry, kinda, John. Because <laughs> we Tennessee was rocking and we were killing it out there. And that was, you know, great. And we were following it too. We were like watching the YouTube videos, you know, Seth Bike Hacks and, um, of course, uh, backyard trail builds with the other Seth Gable were were out there kind of in the very beginning, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And and so we were watching all that shit and we we're like, wow, they're 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 doing some shit out there. They're doing crazy stuff. Like, I think this is where like this is on our way home. Like, this is we gotta do this. We gotta, we gotta take this project on. Cause we had some other opportunities and stuff, and that wasn't nearly as sexy as this one. And we talked to John and Max a few times and, and we kind of fell in love with them, man. Like they're, they're, they are like really good friends of ours now. And we built like this amazing relationship and we didn't have much time on the way back because we had some other projects starting up in Colorado too. And we had one month and we had basically one month to build Swayze train. Yeah. And we brought on all of our crew shout out to like Zach Hankel. And and, and and Nicholas Makuga and and then the three of us and we busted that shit out in a month basically. I think it was like maybe five weeks. Yeah, John ended up actually calling us when we were in Chattanooga when we were talking about the next project. And he's like, Hey man, I'll fly you out. I want I want you to come look at this. And we were like, No, we're good, man. We'll just we'll be there. We'll be there in a week. And Zach, <laughs> Max, you, you obviously had Max on the podcast, but so you guys kind of know his, his personality, but he was freaking out. You know, he, he could be a little anxiety driven. He was like, are you, you guys coming? And we're, we're a little bit more low key. We're like, yeah, we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you sure you don't need to come see what you're going to be building or where it is. It's a tough spot. And we're like, nah, we're good. We'll be there. We'll build it for you. <laughs> and we showed up and we built it in five weeks and it was an awesome build. And that place is crazy too. Just dealing with bedrock and, you know, you can't just 
dig a borrow pit wherever you want. Really yeah, we think thing. we've we've definitely figured out where the name Springfield came from, uh, Springfield, Missouri, because uh... <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, that was the toughest part. Is like, you know, like you're digging through a zone. You know, most trail builders listening to this know you're digging through a zone, and then all of a sudden a spring pops on. You're like, if we don't do something about this, we're never going to be able to test this feature. We have water flowing through the middle of this damn thing. So we're, you know, the howler mating call, the the jackhammer on the end of the excavator is like we're jackhammering through rock just so we can put a culvert in and so the water's not running across the trail tread and shit that we've never had to deal with before. We we learned a lot from that project and that land and what that is like. And you know, when you see that place, there there's a lot of infrastructure in the trail tread itself just to make it rideable you know damn near year round you know they try to stay open year round so it's it's uh some of the toughest terrain we've ever had to deal with for sure yeah it's cool to see the difference in every build we've been you know you go to a different spot and you learn something new at every location and we're dealing with every type of terrain all across the u.s so it's been pretty awesome for us and experience wise for us to be able to build everywhere and get that knowledge of all the different locations. Uh, it's been really good. But shout out to the, what that family is doing with that bike park and how well they take, took care of us. And like I said, we've grown to be like really good friends with that family and they are just a bunch of sweethearts and we love them <laughs> through and through. They except are, for Max. Except for Max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John and Jenny. I had to give him that little shout. <laughs> yeah. little shot. Yeah. John and Jenny, we love them. Max, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> well, and that, that rock gets slippery too. Like, I don't know if people know how slippery that limestone can get. It's like ice. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's so, that's crazy. That location is cool. They have, uh, they have a couple hundred acres there. And they have two more peaks that have not even been touched by trails that we've been exploring. And we've done a, a full concept plan for them where we have 40 plus trails laid out. And so the potential there is unbelievable. And for them, basically the first peak that they've opened, we call peak four. And we wanted to maximize that peak first before we continued pushing to the other peaks. But I mean, in the next three to five years that place every time you go back there's going to be a new trail and expansions going on they're always building something new and that family and that property is such a cool spot and it is going to grow like crazy so if you've been so far don't think that's all there is we got (laughs) plenty more in store for that place well and me being where i am in the trail world and really liking planning and design. Like when I walked into the shop, the first thing I walked to is that concept map. I didn't even look at the merchandise. I just went straight to the concept map. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, think? holy cow. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of potential there, right? Like there's, a, we just got to get more shuttle roads and stuff built. And like Jeff was saying, like obviously mac- maximize where we already have the road too. And it's tough also too, like trying to navigate around that road. Obviously the green trail already crosses that road. So there's, you get kind of pinched off with landlines, um, land uh, boundaries, I guess, on that, is that the north side of the peak four? Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, the road on more of the south side of the peak. And 
there's still room to squeeze a few more trails and stuff in there. And obviously we squeezed in uh, wizard on our second trip, which was last winter. Uh, we were there January through March, April. Yeah. We were there okay. four and five months. Yeah. And that was cool. Cause we also tuned up a couple other trails. Built, yeah. And we still the skills have, park. And oh yeah. And the park. skills park and everything was really cool too. The little Hollywood line behind the, uh, the, the back patio there. And, uh, the bike shop and stuff. And that was, it's just, we love going back there. We love hanging out there and hanging out with that family. Let's talk about wizard. Cause that's probably the trail that gets all the attention in terms of like YouTube views and that Yep. between you guys and, and Seth from backyard bike trails. Yeah. That, I know like I rode sections of it. I'm not, I, my background was XC and I've more recently gotten into the more gravity side of things. And there is, and I was there with the last time I was, so I've been there twice now this last fall. And nice. the second time I went there was with one of our builders from Rock Solid. And we just, and we basically roll, we, we rode the drop at the beginning, rode some other stuff and then rode around a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was definitely one where we wanted to push the envelope, you know, being a private bike park like that, people want to go to a destination that progresses them and has features that are next level. Let's go. Yeah. So, we were a little scared too. Like, do we go a little too much? Like we even had some like higher end riders say like, Oh, there maybe 90% of the people aren't going to really ride this. And then weeks later we were seeing 10 and 12 and 14 year olds just ripping the whole thing top to bottom. And we're like, told you so. Like people are going to ride this shit and they're going to progress up to it. And sure, there are some things that are going to get you puckered and scared you, but it works. It goes, everything goes. Yeah, that was cool. And shout out to Max on that. That was, you know, with his vision of that, he really let us like kind of have, have free reign on that trail. And he was like, I want like a big line here. I want something that is going to scare people. I want something that is going to push people to come back and want to, you know, dream about it, go to bed at night and be like, Oh, I got to go back and, dial that feature and stuff. So really came, came together pretty nicely and, and working with Seth was really cool. You know, he was really open to our vision about where we were going to put things and how, how, what we were seeing. And, you know, we were definitely, uh, if you watched his video, we were a little, uh, um, we wouldn't tell him what we're going to (laughs) do. He kept, he kept calling me and he's like, all right, well, when do you want me? And I was like, oh, we'll take you next week. And he's like, what am I building? And I was like, I'll show you when we get here, when you get here. <laughs> and so we kept him in the dark and we had, a, we had the whole vision for everything all laid out and then brought him in and he got to put in, in his little two cents on, you know, all his artistry and all that. So it was really fun to build with him and, you know, have him basically bring our vision to life and throw his creative spin on it all was pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it is awesome watching his video. Like he really go, you you really go behind the scenes in his video. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. And of course things change along the way. And like, you know, we had to do a lot of jackhammering and stuff. And I don't know if you remember like that first feature, the, the jump to the big long landing with the wood lip to wood landing you know, that's there because there's like a Creek, there's like three different Springs that run and basically can conjoin right there under that bridge. So there's that, that's the reason that feature is there. It's, we call it bridge over troubled waters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's, that was, that was a tough zone to like try to even dig through and get an excavator through there, let alone, 
you know, build a crazy monstrosity of a feature. And that's why it's there is because you're going to be riding through mud if we didn't do anything different. Yeah. That's what a lot of people don't realize just digging through the ground and all of a sudden we're on springs and now we're like, all right, well, this is where we're going to put our big wooden bridge bridge feature because of the terrain. And so that changes all the time. And we ended up actually exposing all of the bedrock there. We dug everything away, scraped it away, then shoveled it. And now when you actually go walk around that feature, the whole landing is on that bedrock. And it is so cool looking to see just water trickling across all of the bedrock and little mini little waterfalls everywhere. And how Seth and us built it elevated above all that the water's running and it's just such a cool spot to see you got to go just walk it and look under it and see the engineer yeah see see the things that nobody sees when you're riding your bike across it that's the reason why myself and another buddy of mine went down is because we i didn't know if i'd be able to ride all but i I wasn't able to but i still had to see it yeah Yeah. exactly Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's let's zoom out a little bit and talk about what places like howler can do for our ecosystem of mountain biking because you know places like where you're at like colorado or anywhere in the mountains you know they get all the all the accolades in terms of having a lot of elevation and whatnot but you have howler and you have a lot of other places like even like spider mountain in texas in like jared's place you know down south of chattanooga but you have all these places that are popping up that are using shuttle services or just thinking outside of the box in terms of like how to create a really good and I'm going to use word, the word repeatable bike park because you have to keep Max's vision to bring people back and to build that progression in is exactly what you need to keep it sustainable from a financial perspective. Exactly. What is your guys' view on that? And, and I mean, Jeff, you came from Wisconsin. Look how many little, diff, little ski resorts there are in Wisconsin. I mean, that's where we're going to next, right? All these spots where used to have a lot of snow that doesn't have much snow anymore the resorts need to start turning and looking at what's next and what they can operate with and bikes is bikes is it and to be able to ride your bike year-round like in missouri their location to branson and the amount of people that go into branson the visitors from all over texas kansas city everywhere around there that is a spot now that the kids can go to, well, the parents are, you know, going down to Branson. It's giving something for everybody. And then to have that place just north of Bentonville and to have a shuttle park that has easy access for them. It's, it's such a great location. And like we were saying, they're, they're open year round, unless we only got shut down last winter, two days for the ice snowstorm we had. So, and they're running it. So you can, you can go ride your bike year round and that's what all of us want to do. They're seeing mountain bikers travel and we all want to go ride our bikes. Even if you live in the snow, I'm traveling somewhere to go ride my bike. For sure. Zach is quiet back there. (laughs) (laughs) He's a sore, you know, talkers over here. He's he's deaf. He's deaf from all the saws. What did you guys say? <laughs> so I got a topic that I like to bring up and I bring it up in a positive way, even though it sounds negative, but it's basically there to illustrate like things that you guys have learned along the way, which is what is a famous failure to that, that you guys learn from 
And I don't mean famous in the sense that like, oh, it made the news or whatever. It's like just famous in your mind of like an aha moment. Like what are some, what are some things you guys have like learned along the way that you, that really pushed your, you know, your skills and in, in learning and whatnot that you now incorporate into more projects or whatever, whatever that impact was on you. I mean, my first thought is every project we've had that and we've learned from everyone. Yeah. The, the, uh, Unforeseens are always unforeseen. <laughs> yeah. In the world of trail building, especially when you travel as much as we do, there's always something around the next bend. You know, you're like, oh man, we want to do a turn here, or whatever it might be. But it's like, well, damn, now we got a spring running through here or torrential downpours. There's like, you know, shooting water out of this culvert and ruining everything that we're working on. Or like, we got to mitigate. A lot of it is water flow. Uh, it yeah. uh, it does our as a as our uh, <laughs> big. Uh, that's the thing is water flow is what kills. You have to explain it to now. <laughs> it uh, it uh, is an international trench digger society. It's a mix between a society and an association. <laughs> but it's 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 literally like water brain. You like you, you know we learned He's our from- water resource engineer. <laughs> he puts the water in the ditches and he yelled at us if our if our grade is not good enough for the water to run. CEO and founder of ITA. Yeah. CEO and founder but like I feel like that's always been our biggest struggle is like okay where is this water going to run and like not only it, where is it like sure we got it off the trail tread here but where does it cross the trail tread again? later on down the trail or on another trail or you know if if this trail is collecting all this water and shooting out one culvert especially where you really jamming a lot of trails in like howler for instance you, you got to really understand like what you're doing to the land and what you're doing to the next leg of trail or yeah everything that everything in between and yeah, there's just so much to learn from just water flow and actually being out there while it's raining is huge too. And seeing the water flow, because sure, you can come back the next day after it's been pouring all night and see some rain ruts and, and what that looks like. But you don't actually get a, you don't really see how the water flows until you're really there watching it. Yeah. That's your saying, right? Like, yeah. You don't, you, don't see, you don't see the water flowing unless you're watching the water flowing. Yeah. That's <laughs> It's insane. So like we learned a lot about that and especially I feel like Arkansas is was a big learning experience for us when we were down there at uh we did Northwoods with Imba Trail Solutions as yeah, well. Yeah, and we learned a lot from Josh. Shout out shout out to Josh Olson and I mean there was times where we were tarping trail tread and stuff just because it wasn't finished when the storm was coming in and there's a lot to be said about that because that's the difference between being able to work the next day and not yeah. being able to work for a few days and as well as like having tread packed in and finished the rain doesn't affect that nearly as much as when it's just open you know if it's just dirty bench and a construction zone still what that does to your material and and your the rest of your work week really yeah, yeah. i'd also say going off to a different tangent we built the uh, Mount Trashmore in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And that job was 100% different than anything we've done anywhere else because it was on a landfill and we had to bring in 100% of our material. So we were running loaders and multiple skid steers just stacking the trail on top because we weren't allowed to dig into anything because of safety wise on all that. And 
I mean, we ran loaders and skid steers 24 hours a day for a month. And it was just hauling dirt. And to to do that, and then you go to Chattanooga and we're just digging right next to our bench, a 12 foot deep pit of gold, and we're just stacking it, you know. So every really project on the land, every project has been so different, and we've been able to learn so much from every different project. Yeah, that's the biggest takeaway I feel like is like you're you're always trying to be prepared for everything, but yet there's always like some type of situation that you're going to get into that's like that's different especially uh all around the country you know you're you're digging in different places all around the country you're going to have different like earth everywhere and you you try to be as prepared as you can but there's always going to be something <laughs> yeah and then we're then we're digging in calistoga california and we have poison oak all over us you know like there there's vines and bushes and trees of poison oak there and we don't deal with any of that in Colorado. And I'm deathly allergic to that stuff. So like, I just learned to stay away from California and poison <laughs> up there. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is something to be said though. You learn, you learn something new at every project and, and every hunk of trail, every, every bench forward is you're learning something new. Like in the Idaho Springs right now, we had three crux moments the last week where we literally didn't even get what a hundred feet last week. Yeah. In, in Idaho Springs, because we're getting pushed up against these crazy out rock outcroppings. There's no material to even set a bench for the tractor to come through, let alone the tractor behind it to shape everything. And we're rolling down rocks by hand and rock bars to try to create a bench and so on and so forth, just so we can keep inching forward and create a trail that's fun to ride, but also safe for the damn tractor to get through. <laughs> and it's, it's been insane. Like you're not always going to get that 300 foot a day mark. You're not always going to, you know, get your daily goals because of the terrain, you know, like it's, and, and we have to stay as high as we can up against these rocks because it's a, you know, long run out, so on and so forth. But it's, there's always, you're always learning. You're always learning something new every day. Yeah. If we stop learning, then we're done. You know, we got to keep pushing it. The more we can keep learning from each project and take that to the next and then learn from that, it keeps us on our toes and relevant with the industry. And we just want to keep pushing ourselves and, and the industry. Let's pivot back to a place that you just brought up that I totally forgot to weave into this, which is Mount Trashmore. People are going to be like, what the hell is Mount Trashmore? It's in Cedar Rapids, <laughs> Iowa. There's not a lot. I mean, to be honest, there's not a lot there, but let's talk about like the importance of what that can do for communities and how it repurposes a landfill into a community asset. Yeah, That's exactly what it is, right? <laughs> it's, it's unreal to be able to bring, we did, so we did a green blue flow trail, and then we also did a hiking trail. And we actually had a, master plan for more trails there but they haven't approved uh, any other trails since we've been there but i mean to have a gravity style trail in in cedar, in, a, in cedar rapids where there's no elevation the only elevation is their landfill and to be able to repurpose that and give people trails and access and something that they don't have is unbelievable and the same thing there's we 
during grand opening, there's people hiking the whole thing up to the overlook. It it looks over downtown Cedar Rapids. It looks That's over the river. View. Yeah, it's beautiful from up there. But the only elevation there, they're actually using now and able to give an amenity to the people there. And it's such a cool project because all they had was little cross-country trails along the river and stuff, no real elevation. And now they pedal to the top of Mount Trashmore and they have, what is it, a mile and a half or something? Yep, I think it's a mile and a half of a downhill flowy trail with some jumps and berms and like that amenity in itself is so cool for the local community there. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's an Iowa. It's, it's not a lot there. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they can, they can like get some funds together and help like create more trails there. Cause there's plenty of room on that little hillside to build at least two or three more good trails from the top. Well, and from a more broad perspective, like there's a lot of landfills that are getting decommissioned because they're full like across the country, like where else can this be done? Right. Exactly. Everywhere. To me, it's, it's a lot like the Midwest resorts that aren't able to stay open as much, you know, put bike park on it, put trails on it, give the people what they want. I think we got a shout out Ken Barker on that one too. I don't know if you know Ken Barker, but he's the, he was the, uh, the brains behind that project. And he was really passionate about bringing us in and he hounded us. And he, we, we made it happen, which was really cool. But that was he, kind of one of our first projects too, as, as the McGills. Yeah. One of, one of our like first projects. So it was, that was right after Sedona. Yeah. Yeah. We did that. So like our second real project under the McGill name. And that was, that was huge. Shout out Barker. Yeah. Barker, do you know <laughs> Ken Barker? So it's nice. super nice guy. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> Well, is there any places you guys actually take in, that you guys take inspiration from in terms of like, I don't know if the things you see in society or other builders out there, like, is there, or do you guys, or is it just the four of you in the woods taking inspiration off each other? <laughs> no, man, we Shot definitely, <laughs> we, we follow all the builders and all the parks and we love what Rock Solid's is doing. We actually, one of my first projects was at uh, Duluth at Spirit Mountain. And it was under Flowline, but we were working. Uh, it was actually when Aaron was at Imba and he had just built Candyland and they brought us in and we built Happy Camper. And so to see what Aaron had built and then to look up to his building and Josh Olson, he's always pushed us to be better builders. And then, like to me, Windrock and you know what what Sean's done there and Nico Mullaly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like looking at those private bike parks and how they're pushing it and how they have World Cup racers there training. And you know, the Shaw brothers are always there. And for us, you know, like uh what's Rock Creek just popped up that Nico helped do and those guys like seeing all those little parks pop up and their e-bike pedal too. You don't have to have a lift to get good trails and you don't have to have a whole ton of elevation and to see all these places pop up. We want our own bike park. We want a McGill park where we can do the same thing on our own private property. So if there's any investors out there, <laughs> let us know. Could be you. Yeah, <laughs> You too could have your very own McGill park. 
Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Next level. Let's no, go. I mean, that's what that whatever that's that's our dream come true, right? Like seeing howlers and spider mountains and and wind rocks popping up all over the country and and of course like Bentonville's and things like that. Like where and when do we get to do that ourselves and become <laughs> a part of the family as far as running and 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 building a bike park? It'll be interesting to see how this new chapter of Windrock unfolds. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see Aaron investing all of this into it. I mean, already you're seeing new infrastructure go up. You know, he's going to continue to push the envelope there. And I'm super excited to see what goes down. I've only been there once and I was only there for, well, I was there when I was raining out and I rode with Sean Leader that day. It was pretty uh, hair raising, we'll say, because it was slippery as shit. (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I know like so the next PTBA conference is down in Georgia. And so I'm looking at, okay, how do I make a much larger trip out of this conference? Right. And so I'm looking at start with that. Chattanooga, Jared's place, Windrock, and you know, that's that's probably enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For a road trip. We'll we'll join you. <laughs> yeah. yeah was- and and if anybody from Jared's place is listening, I've already talked to Josh from Jared's place, but there should be maybe a, a, uh, trail builder day at Jared's place. So at some time frame around that conference, since it's so close to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Let's go. Well, that, yeah. And that's so cool, man. And I feel like it speaks to like what you were talking about, like bringing people around, like the fact that we're, you're talking about planning trips to these certain destinations in the Southeast where like a few years ago, we weren't talking about riding bikes in Georgia. I grew up South of Atlanta, Georgia, and I didn't know anything about mountain biking. You know, I was a skater kid that wanted to move to Colorado to go snowboarding. I thought mountain bikes were for nerds, you know? So <laughs> like to see, like to hear us having this conversation about like planning trips to this, this area that I grew up in is the coolest thing. And that it just shows how like, Mountain bikers travel, mountain bikers have money. They want to move around and and you can do a lot with a little, you know, you don't have to have a ton of elevation. You don't have to have, you could do it on a landfill. You can do it wherever, you know, and build this, this cool product, you know, and community, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just on to not only the parks, but now to see city parks popping up, you don't need really any elevation. We can man-made some elevation for you and do a city style park. So to see if you have 400 feet of elevation and you can have a full blown bike park and then no elevation and you can have a city style bike park with pump tracks and all that and and dirt jumps and everything. Yeah, it's just really cool to see this whole industry progressing like this and to be a part of it. Before we wrap this one up, there's something I ask everybody. And I don't want an answer that's a specific location, but more ingredients of what would be in a location, which is what are the things you look for in a great community? And I know you've probably answered a lot of that along the way, but this is a more pointed version of that. So I qualify this with the, say you had, say you had to move from where you are. What are the things you'd be looking for if you had to move to a new mountain bike community? What would those ingredients be? Good dirt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good dirt, long summers. (laughs) you know and obviously like usually long summer means in the dead of summer it's hot as hell and too hot to ride so it's like that's that's always been my thing is like i want to find a second home in like an arizona or a 
I don't know, like somewhere that's warmer in the wintertime so I can get away from the snow and go ride my bike and, and, and be able to enjoy longer summers. And then I'd probably be in Colorado in the summertime because Colorado is where it's at for summertime fun. But it, it's tough to like move away from here. I, I've been here my whole life and I always want to come home, especially in the summer. But, you know, and of course, I still love snowboarding and stuff, but it, it's not like riding bikes. Riding bikes is where it's at yep. for us. And I would also say, you know, what we look for is the community. Like to me, Chattanooga, those guys, that family there that has taken care of Walton's Ridge, that's the type of community I want to be involved in. People that are willing to go out and volunteer their time and help bring a park like that to life without any pay. All They're doing it all for the love of bikes. And that's what you want in a community. If we're going to go somewhere, I want to be with people that are going to push it and bring more to the community. How about Zach? Zach is still in the back. Well, I'm Just here. A chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the community is always important. You want the people who want to have stoked for mountain biking. You want them to be there. We all have it. When you see that coming back too, it's a wonderful thing to see. And the good dirt. Got to have good dirt. Good dirt we're, 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 try, we're trying to dig a hundred foot deep. Borrow pits, man. We're going to start exporting dirt out of Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> bring, in, bring in dirt from Tennessee over to Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. North Carolina dirt's good, too. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. gold. Well, is there anything that we didn't hit on that you guys would like to hit on or and or any thank yous you want to throw out there? You've already thrown some thank yous out there, but you can surely thank them again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we have a huge thank you for InBetrayal Solutions. They've uh, they've been bringing us on a lot for since I've been a trail builder for the last fifteen years. So we all, it's always a pleasure working with them. The pennies, we love the pennies at Howler Bike Park. They've become family, like we said, and yeah, we we're really stoked to continue that relationship and see how far we can take Howler and. Keep coming back to Haller because we're we're gonna keep building there. And then a huge thank you to these guys right here. Um, this team is the best team around, and we're we're definitely that small mom and pop shop. You know, when you hire us, you know the trail builders you're getting, and it's us right here. And we put our heart and soul into it, and we're a family. And it's it's been pretty cool to be a part of a group like this. Like I've, I never thought I would be building trail for a living as a 40 some year old now, you know, like to be a profession and be building bike trails and seeing the smiles on faces and bringing all this to the kids and watching their progression and being able to build all over the U S has been just such a ride. And it's been so fun and I'm so appreciative to the McGill's here and the whole bike community. Yeah, and shout out to my wife Lauren who puts up with all the crazy travel and my little boy Ryder that's gonna be uh he'll be on the crew one of these days. Yeah, little <laughs> little mini McGill. <laughs> yeah, we can't forget like Elizabeth at Riveter Bike Park and Riveter establishment yeah. and uh I mean so many people along the way uh that have uh brought us on as uh you know contractors and they've 
you know, made us who we are over the years. And we can't, we can't thank them enough, especially the Riveter family. That was, that was huge getting that project and, and hanging out with all them and, and creating that family. And of course, yeah, the pennies and who else are we missing? I feel like we're missing people. <laughs> I mean, everywhere we go, every job we have, we kind of fall in love with the people there and become best friends with them. And, you know, we, I, we talk to basically every job we've been at still, you know, we, we love becoming part of each, each destination's family. Well, I'm looking forward to see you guys build next at Howler because that's, it seems like whenever I go down to Bentonville for work, I, I schedule in a day trip back to Howler on my, I make it my way home. It's not directly on my way home, but it becomes my way home. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, that's huge. Yep. You know, and that's how I was able to get there twice in, in October. I think it was, well, it was October, November, just, I, I don't get to ride a ton when I'm in, when I'm in Arkansas cause I'm working. And so you have to schedule that, that ride day in there and that's the ride day. Don't yeah, forget that's awesome. to ride, man. Don't forget to ride. Yeah. That is the most important part of what we do. And I think too many of us, and I'm not talking about the four of you, but collectively, no, yeah. how we got here, which is because we really enjoyed riding bikes. For sure. I got to take a big bike trip thanks to my girlfriend. And we went to the East Coast and rode Thunder Mountain and uh, uh, Highland and uh, what's the one in Vermont? Killington. And that was so cool. I mean, a lot of stuff was built by Gravity Logic at Killington and uh, Thunder Mountain, and it was cool to see that stuff. And then, of course, Highland is just, it's so cool to see a resort like that. That is, they don't have to be a ski resort in the wintertime. And it's next level, the shit that they have built and, and the community they have created. And it's, it was, it was an eye opener. We, we need more of that in, in the States for sure. Yeah, we definitely need more Highlands. And the thing I like about that place the most is that whenever you listen to Mark Hay- Mark Hayes talk, he always ends it with, and we're 100% bike. <laughs> yes, 100% bike. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. To me. That's, yeah. Riding bikes, man. Don't forget to ride. If we don't build it this year, we'll be one year older when we do. <laughs> is that a playoff Warren Miller? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Sounds like you guys got some work to do yet this week. So I'll let you get back at it in the shop. Yep. Finished uh, getting saws tuned up and everything ready. And we're back at Idaho Springs Trek Trails at Virginia Canyon Mountain Park. We'll be back there tomorrow. That's awesome. I hope, uh, I hope we get to see more Trek Trails in this world because Trek is quietly doing a good job at donating to places like yep. <laughs> Virginia Canyon Bike Park. They just, you know, we built uh, Trek Trails up in northern Wisconsin earlier this summer at Talmark Lodge, which is probably about an hour and a half, two hours from Eau Claire. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's Trek Trails out, out west further, out in California and Arizona, there's some Trek Trails. So... Yeah, it's really cool to see them helping promote and fund this stuff. And like you said, they're not really taking much credit for it. And it's just for the love of bikes, you know, and it's cool to see more companies should keep doing that and more trail builders then can be put to work. For sure. For sure. Well, I appreciate you guys taking time out of your day. I really do. And that we're able to pull this one off, especially between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much for having us. This yeah. has been awesome. We've been but we listen to your podcast all the time too. So it's it's cool being on and being a part of what you're doing. We love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Yeah, yeah shout sure. out Tony. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. We worked for Tony Boone a little bit. We just listened to his. Not was that like a week ago? Yeah. Tony was the last person I actually interviewed. I've given, I've been getting behind on things, and that was he's awesome. He's well, he's one of the nicest guys you'll meet, as you know. For sure, legend. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll have to connect down south in March yeah. if you guys are headed that way. Hopefully, we do sure. another one of these in the next year or two, too. <laughs> I love having repeat guests on to hear what's happened since and what's on what's coming on you know down the pike so yeah Yeah. when you're when you're out this way let us know we'll take you by virginia canyon and all of our new stuff we've been building out here for sure for sure i would that's i love getting the local tour yeah get get the little private you get all the goods yeah Yeah. sure well you guys enjoy the rest of the year it's it's you know we're almost done um this will come out on january 2nd so we're going to kick off the new year with this one Oh, Hell sweet. Yeah. <laughs> sweet. 2024. Here we come. Yeah. <laughs> sweet. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it again. Thank you so much for everything. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, it's been sweet. You're all the, all the stuff that you've been putting out. It's great. I love the, your direction with everything with like more centered towards building and community stuff. I think that's pretty cool. I feel like there's definitely a niche there that's not, not hit with anybody else, you know? So that's cool. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. If you listen to the Trail Effect Podcast on Apple or Spotify, please don't forget to leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect Podcast. Also, don't forget to check out Cooley Creative at www.dojustsendit.com. For additional ways to help support the Trail Effect Podcast, check out the Affiliate Links tab at the Trail Effect website, where you'll find links to Kettle Mountain Apparel, Worldwide Cyclery, and Trail One Components. By using the Affiliate Links found at www.traileffectpodcast.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which will help keep this thing going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>